The following is a Red Apple Podcast Network presentation. They say this is a big, rich town. I just come from the poet's part. Bright light, city life, I gotta make it. Welcome to Dominic Carter's podcast. This is Dominic Carter's City Hall. Now, here's Dominic Carter. Red Apple Podcast, Talk Radio 77 WABC. You can listen to me, Dominic Carter, Sunday nights, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m., weeknights at midnight. Public opinion tells us that it's morally wrong to even revisit what happened to George Floyd that now stabbed ex-officer Derek Chauvin holding his knee on Floyd's neck is an open and shut case that the Supreme Court declining to take up Chauvin's case means the evidence is overwhelming against him. But wait a minute here. A compelling documentary has emerged with new details surrounding Floyd's death eye-opening details, and then just days after the documentary, Chauvin was stabbed by another inmate at a federal prison in Arizona. This is my podcast. Let's go. So first, Chauvin was seriously injured in the stabbing attack at a federal correction institution in Tucson. Prison employees performed life-saving measures before he was hospitalized. This is a medium security prison that has been plagued by security issues and staffing shortages. The death of George Floyd ignited claims of systematic racism and riots. Out came the Black Lives Matter movement, which has done tremendous damage to America via the criminal justice system. As a result, police are under attack everywhere and crime is now running wild in many areas across the country. The Floyd case also contributed to the election of President Joe Biden as African-Americans across the country were motivated to vote. But a new documentary called The Fall of Minneapolis is an eye-opener, raising serious questions about what may have actually killed George Floyd. After viewing the documentary at a minimum, the police officers should receive a new trial. I am really sorry George Floyd lost his life. But the facts must emerge. And let's start with the fact that Mr. Floyd was far from a Boy Scout and high on fentanyl. Let's begin here where the documentary is using actual body cam video and audio. Minneapolis police responded to a call of someone using a fake $20 bill at a local convenience store. We see two responding police officers talk to store personnel and then come outside. And Mr. Floyd is in a car with two other individuals across the street. In this clip, the officers towards the end of it ask Mr. Floyd, are you on something right now? You're acting all erratic. 
I don't want no problem. I ain't even do nothing. Man, you know why we're here? Why? We're here because it sounds like you gave a fake bill to the individuals in there. Yeah. You understand that? Yes. And you know why we pulled you out of the car? Because you was not listening to anything we told you. Right. I didn't know what was going on. You listen to us and we will tell you what's going on, all right? When you're moving yes, around like that, that makes us think way more is going on than we need to know. Right. And, and, and that's all I had was I was Gotcha. All right. We're going to put you in the back of a squad, all right? Yeah, we're going to sort all this out, all right? Please, man. That's your car key? Uh, 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 it's my sister. Uh, uh, key fob right there? Yes, sir. I got one problem. Yeah, I'm going to hold on to that for you, all right? Stand up. Yeah, and look at you still able to reach your side. You're making me nervous. Yeah, I got you. We'll fix all that. We'll fix all that, but you got to watch it. Oh, ouchie, man. Are you on something right now? I'm not, no, nothing. Because you act a little erratic. Again, the officer says, are you high on something right now? You're acting all erratic. Now, this goes on and on. And George Floyd does not want to go to the back of the police car. Why? Criminals know once they are in the back of a squad car, they have lost all control of the situation. They can't talk their way out of it and in all likelihood are going to jail. This is what happened seconds later. While being escorted to the patrol car, Floyd literally collapses to the ground, claiming he's claustrophobic. Man, Let's go. Scared, man. Let's go. Yeah, you got man. foam around your mouth too? Yes. Yes, I was just moving earlier. Okay. Man, what up? All right, let me come on down now. Just a little better now. Well, like, okay, we're going to talk about that. Once we get to the car, stop moving around. Oh, man. God, don't leave me, man. Please, man, don't leave me, man. Oh, please don't leave me, man. Yeah, just unlock the door for me. Hey, uh, stop, stop falling down. I'm claustrophobic, man. So stand up. I'm claustrophobic. Stay on your feet and face the car door. Please, man. Please. No. Please. Not yet. Please. Give the door open. Keep the door open. I won't talk to you, man. Please, don't talk to you, man. Man, you ain't listening to nothing we're saying, so we're not going to listen to nothing you're saying. I'm claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic. I hear you, but you are going to face this door right now. Stop. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm telling you, man. I'm not existing, man. I'm not. I'm not. You can ask him. He knows me. Check that side. God, man, I'm going to get me like that, y'all. Why is this going on like this? Look at my business, Dawson. I'm not the kind of guy. Sit still. I'm not the kind of guy. Even bringing up COVID. I don't want to do none of y'all, man. Nothing. Hey, you got that inside and in the pocket real quick on your side? Hey, hey, on the and I, and I'm listening. And I understand that that, that, that people do stuff. It's, and and, and, and uh, y'all don't know me. Take a seat. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Why okay. are you having trouble we walking? Because I was my, my hands oh, in the hurt. Down, we won't okay. leave, man. Please don't do this. Take a seat. I'm going in. I'm going go No, in. you're not. You got to go in. Take a seat. Grab a seat, man. Why y'all don't believe me? Take like, a seat. I'm not the kind of guy. I'm not the kind of guy, man. Take a seat. No, I'm a dieter. You need to take a seat right now. And I just had COVID, man. I don't want to go back to that. Mr. Floyd is in complete panic. In the car, 
his behavior is going from bad to worse. So he's physically in the car, but he will not sit still and tries to come out of the vehicle via the other door. Don't do me like that, man. In the car. Okay, I told you to please. This is you get in this car. We can talk. I am. I'm claustrophobic. I'm claustrophobic. You're not working with me. God, I'm claustrophobic, man. You ain't gonna read or whatever you read in the car. Get me in the front. No, you're not getting in the car. I'm not supposed to be in the car. Okay, man, okay. I'm not a bad guy, man. In the car. I'm not a bad guy. Ah, I'm a bad guy. I'm a bad guy. Please, officer. Please. Take a seat. Please, man. Please. No, I don't take a seat. I can't. I can't joke. I can't breathe. The officers then decide to take Mr. Floyd out the car and place him on the ground. And now George Floyd is completely out of control. It's about to become deadly as he calls out for his mother. Thank you. Not moving. Mama. 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 Mama, one of the front couches. Mama, on my right side back. Mama, Mama, this documentary, Minneapolis is Falling, seeks to dispel what its producers call false narratives surrounding the death of George Floyd. This is the first time we have heard Officer Chauvin speak in a media interview. They interview Chauvin behind bars. Chauvin claims he was following Minneapolis police protocol taught in the academy when he placed his knee to Floyd's neck. And some police officers say from different camera angles, his knee was mostly on Floyd's shoulder. It's called MRT, Maximal Restraint Technique. Chauvin in the documentary says his trial was a sham. This call is from a federal prison. During the trial, several witnesses, including Chief Arredondo and Inspector Blackwell, testified that they didn't recognize the technique you and the other officers were using as if it was not a part of Minneapolis police training, but was MRT the maximal restraint technique, part of training and policy. Absolutely. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. 5-316, maximal restraint technique, right in their written policy manual. The EMS and Minneapolis fire response was not normal. Normally, both those resources are sent. They arrive in short time, especially in, in a code 3 situation. In this case, Minneapolis fire took 20 minutes plus to arrive. And their station's eight blocks away. At the end of the day, the whole trial, including sentencing, was a sham. And in the documentary, Chauvin then zeroes in on MRT, Maximal Restraint Technique. And listen to this. Numerous officers interviewed in the documentary say, yes, they were all taught 
maximal restraint technique. Your attorney wanted to show a photo of MRT to the jury, but Judge Cahill denied it. Was this a key piece of evidence? I think it certainly is important. Just the fact that it's a PowerPoint training presentation that the city of Minneapolis, Minneapolis Police Department delivered uh, using that photograph uh, that at least illustrates some of the training techniques that are performed. Were you trained in MRT, the maximal restraint technique? Yes. 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 Yes, I was. Yes, we all were. Yes, all the police officers were trained in the MRT. Your police chief said on the stand that he didn't recognize that technique. Mm-hmm. I, I heard him say that. It's tough to hear people lie, just straight lie. And again, goes right back, to, for me, the good and the bad, like the right and the wrong. And for you to be under oath and just straight lie. Chauvin's mother also is interviewed in the documentary and produces his training manuals in which they include illustrations of police officers kneeling on a suspect's shoulder blade to restrain him. MRT. What do you think your son's case says about the justice system in America? Is there a justice system in America? Not according to what they did to Derek and the other three officers. There isn't any. I don't believe in the justice system anymore. The attorney for George Floyd, Ben Crump, claimed Floyd was a healthy man prior to this police encounter, but pointed out further in the documentary Floyd's heart disease, his narrowed arteries, his high blood pressure, and that fentanyl might have caused his death. In the documentary, a nurse, Deborah Nelson, talks about the fentanyl and the fact that the oxygen tubing Mr. Floyd received was not even hooked up to the oxygen machine. Listen closely to this. Ooh. Oh, ouch, ouch, man. Are you on something right now? No, nothing. If George Floyd would have told the truth about fentanyl and methamphetamine, could that have helped to save his life? Yes, yes, it could have. Um, that's proven by what happened the year before when he was arrested by Minneapolis police and he was putting tablets in his mouth. Open your mouth, spit out what you got, spit out what you got. He admitted at some point that he had swallowed a bunch of pills and the paramedics came and talked to him and took his blood pressure and his blood pressure was extremely high, 216 over 160, and so he ended up going to the hospital. Put your hands up right now. If he had admitted that he had again ingested pills in the car when they were attempting to arrest him, things could have turned out much differently. That's our breathing's gonna go up on me, man. So we know now that the police body camera videos were withheld from the public and even the jurors. When you were able to see those videos, what was going through your mind? I wish that those videos had been out sooner, that they hadn't been withheld for two and a half months because it, the videos uh, portrayed quite a different story from what we had originally heard. I can't joke! I can't breathe! You mentioned you went through these police body camera videos minute by minute. Right. What troubled you most? At the very end of Thomas Lane's body cam video. One of us ride with? Yeah. The paramedic handing the bag to Thomas Lane to ventilate the patient, you can see that the oxygen 
tubing is coiled up. It's not even attached to the oxygen source. That's a big mistake. What was also shocking in the documentary is how police officers talked about they were told to stand down as protesters rioted an entire police precinct. It broke their hearts. They describe it as being in the middle of a war zone. The crowds got larger and larger and larger, so we knew that we were going to have our hands full. Each day, it, it just compounded. By the end of the day, it was probably 1,000 people. And then the next day, it was 4,000 people. And then the day after that, it was like eight to 10,000 people. I think it's really important for people to understand that the police that were working the street at that time were dealing with situations that, in my mind, only you could think of as wartime. This is like a modern-day war zone. I mean, this is this is unbelievable what is happening on the streets of Minneapolis. So we are seeing someone being wheeled away, someone who looks pretty badly injured. They threw a whole bunch of bottles and rocks, and I got hit in my mouth. I ended up breaking three more teeth. Break that! We were dodging water bottles, bricks, Roman candles, anything they could get their hands on. It was crazy. It was like I was living in a, a third world country. I'm like, what is going on? Where do I live right now? And this is a thing that bothered me about government officials, is they let people sit back and throw rocks and bricks and firebombs, and we're supposed to just put on a helmet and take that. We are still taking rocks, frozen water bottles. They're shooting mortars at us. Can we escalate our use of force to deploy scat rounds? 1204, negative on the scat rounds. 1204, again, negative on the scat rounds. There's another plan in place, standby. When did you realize this wasn't a typical riot response? Pretty early on, there was no no response at all. They didn't say why, but I assumed they didn't want to make us look militant with the rioters. I actually had gear, but they were just saying, just wear your helmets and, and stand there, basically. Obviously, they didn't take my request for more resources seriously, so we were just watching it unfold without less than lethal, without SWAT teams, without riot gear. Nobody had protective gear on. We were just in our uniforms. At this point, they're not giving you permission to wear your riot gear? Nope. There was no riot gear given to anybody at that point. And we're in the middle of a war zone. Wow. And if you want to understand the system we are in now with law enforcement and officers retiring around the country, look no further than Minneapolis and the Floyd case. Interviewed in the Fall of Minneapolis documentary, some of the police officers talked about the mental component, how they couldn't do their jobs anymore and had to retire. What was it like going to 911 calls after the riots? I was the first officer at multiple shootings. I was involved with gun calls. Then I'm just like, one of these situations is not going to turn out good. I mean, no matter what I do, it's I'm going to be either the next Chavin or I'm going to be shot or killed. And I go, I've already been injured twice in this job, you know, bad. And now, you know, now at the end of my career, I'm going to get hurt again or end up in prison. When did you decide to leave the Minneapolis Police Department? I've been in several riots in this city or protests or whatever you want to call them. And 
of all the different riots I've been in, that's probably the first time I've ever felt helpless. I found myself, um, for the first time ever, I, I kind of had a panic attack. It was a sense of helplessness, and that, that's the shitty feeling. I woke my wife up at like 3 in the morning, and I just told her, I think I can be done. Going to work, though, was, was physically making me ill. It wasn't the flu. It wasn't a cold. It wasn't anything that I could put my finger on. It wasn't something that went away. It was the drive into the city, the knot in my stomach, the I'm going to vomit, I'm going to be sick. I knew something was, was wrong. I left the job about a month after the protest. I just couldn't do it anymore. We were uh, one of the highest trained departments in the country. These were some of the best cops you would ever see in your lives, and a lot of those people are gone. The last call I was ever on was, should have been a routine call. It was a simple hit and run. An officer just dispatched to a hit and run call. The victim has pictures of the car that took off, a description of the guy, and the guy drives by again. So the officer follows him, stops him. I think uh, we had four officers there because people started yelling. I mean, this was just after the riots. Anytime we're out dealing with anybody, especially if a person of color, we were getting the all kinds of screaming and yelling and everything else. It didn't take too long before we realized this guy was completely high on drugs. He was huge, too. He was probably 6'5". I mean, he was tall, way bigger than me, probably twice my size. And he's like, I'm not going to jail. And I'm like, okay, well, we got our body cameras on. We got four guys. And I'm thinking, well, this guy's drugged out. And he's like, well, I'm not going to jail. I'm going home. Pretty soon the fight's on. And we're fighting with this guy, trying to get him cuffed. We're not hitting him. We're not striking him or anything. But we're going to go to the ground sooner or later because he's a big dude. And we can't. We're going to go to the ground, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, if this guy ODs, if this guy dies in our custody, four white cops at 17th in Chicago, 20 blocks from George Floyd, we're going to prison. And I'm looking at these guys, and I go, we're going to prison. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Absolutely heartbreaking to hear that. Also in the documentary, keep in mind, there was an African-American officer on location. That's rather ironic and left out of the narrative. The African-American officer is speaking out from federal prison. Alex King was the first and the last officer to encounter Mr. Floyd. Officer King, who was in his very first week on the job. Alex, it seems practically everyone talks about how Officer Derek Chauvin who is white, was with George Floyd for eight or nine minutes. But there's you, a black police officer who was with George Floyd for much longer, practically 18 minutes from the moment he was handcuffed until you close the ambulance door. Why is this fact rarely ever mentioned? You know, that's a, that's a good question. Despite, like you said, the fact that I am black and that Another colleague of mine, Tao, is Asian, so really half the attending officers were in the minority. I think that was something that they just didn't want to admit, specifically my race, because, it, again, it goes very counterintuitive to the way the narrative goes. They couldn't backpedal. And Officer King continued. How do you get through every day in prison, Alex? Prison is a very, very unique experience, I can say. Uh, one I never thought I'd see myself in, but... It's very easy to get caught up in a lot of self-wallowing, a lot of whatever thoughts you have in your own head. And the easiest way to do it is to take it day by day. Do little things here and there that you can keep doing to take time off your sentence, keep pushing the days forward, and just keep your head up and know that uh, this 
ultimately this isn't the end and this won't define me. Alex, what do you want people to know about this case? What's been done is done, and I just hope that at the very least, people in the future can keep an open mind and not let instances like this happen. Just use my case as an example is to not jump the gun, not knee-jerk, not fall to this race bait, to the social media, to the media, and let them get away with what they do. Because if things like this keep happening, no one anywhere is going to have any sense of justice left. Officer Alex King, who pleaded guilty and was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. This documentary is an eye-opener. These officers deserve a new trial. And that is all the time we have for this episode. Thank you, folks, for joining us. If you are interested in my remarkable book on my life titled No Mama's Boy or even the Dominic Carter bobblehead doll, go to my website, all one word, DominicCarterOnline.com, DominicCarterOnline.com. If you order the book at my website rather than Amazon, I can personally sign it for you. You can catch me on 77 WABC weeknights, midnight to 1 a.m. Go check out the Dominic Carter merchandise at the 77 WABC store from Dominic Carter t-shirts to hats and much more. Go to WABCRadioStore.com. Also, follow me on YouTube where you will see videos from me about this podcast and the radio show, youtube.com forward slash Dominic Carter. We will see you the next time. Dominic Carter, Red Apple Podcast, Talk Radio 77, WABC. I gotta make it. Dominic Carter Socials on Twitter at Dominic TV and Facebook and Instagram. Dominic Carter TV. Email at Dominic.Carter at WABCRadio.com. Until the next episode, be well. And as Dominic always says, stay positive. The glasses always half full, never half empty. Dominic Carter City Hall.